bla 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 bla. Hello, and welcome to See One, Do One, Teach One, the podcast dedicated to becoming a better medical educator. With me, Pick Mukherjee. And Tom Pereira. In this episode, Pick admits he's a candidate for Gamblers Anonymous. Hey, Pick, let's play a game. The game will be, guess what we're going to talk about this week? We're going to talk about games. We're going to talk about games? We're going to talk about games. I love it. Wow, you win! My first experience using games in the emergency department was really based on my ADHD, right? So it was when I was working in the emergency room, I was doing a ton of shifts, uh, and I would get the team together, and I would tell them that that day, whenever they presented a case to me, we were going to do a Trivial Pursuit question together. And what I found was people actually wanted to come and present cases because they were ready for the next Trivial Pursuit question, uh, and it made working fun. Making working fun is is great, although I kind of think that this stemmed from your uncomfortable need to fill a silence, but I'm glad it kind of worked out and got everyone engaged. Wait, uh, this podcast is from my uncomfortable need to fill a silence. It would go like an hour and a half long form if that were really the case. The people who wanted to go present to you, uh, they uh, were having fun. Were there other benefits uh, that you found for just like teaching, bedside so, teaching? Uh, one of the things that we've talked about in previous episodes is getting things wrong. Uh, one of the problems I ran into when I started teaching more Socratic was people don't like to start their learning by getting something wrong. And it, it like puts a bad taste in their mouth. Here is a way where people can be wrong. What is the capital of Mongolia? I have no freaking idea. And we can do this all together and be wrong. And it, it almost makes being wrong okay. So it normalizes being wrong. It doesn't put a value on not knowing the capital of Mongolia, like, oh my god, you don't know how to replete hypokalemia. How dare you? Uh, so that's nice. And it and it encourages you to volunteer even when you don't know, uh, which is great. So I, I kind of, I love that. I think it's the thing we tell the incoming class. The fastest way to get better at this job is to lose all fear of looking stupid in the first month. Right, ask every bad question. So I think that's great. But a lot of it is the engagement bit, right? Like it's the get people excited bit. Uh, so I think that's uh, really good. So along those lines, the other game that I played clinically uh, was I, I wrote a bingo board uh, and I put different diagnoses on each of the squares and people would try to uh, win bingo, getting uh, five in a row, by picking up chief complaints that fit the needs of the board. Uh, and it, it, it was honestly a shameless way to get people to pick up more patients. I was thinking it was a shameless way to pick up more patients, but I can think of a couple of other ways that it might be great. I've never done this, but now you're telling me maybe I should do this. If you had a mix of like low-end uh, bread and butter EM complaints, low back pain, uh, chest pain, then you could get some check boxes. But if you put in some zebras that were dangerous, lethal things that were supposed to keep front of mind, like dissection. Or just stuff where the presentations aren't something that you look for all the time. So if we have uh, monkeypox on there in this day and age of Great. that being important, uh, someone who hasn't seen monkeypox might spend the time to look at Google Images to talk about it. And will definitely work better than keep this in your differential diagnosis. No, they're actively searching for, could this be monkeypox? I think that's great. 
So you are the master of this. You have a game that has been spanning many, many years and I think exemplifies a lot of the benefits of gaming in the ED. So I'm used to doing games at conference time, but I did not think of this initially as a game. I was trying to teach around PE. We have a, a large number of PE prevalence at our institution. You said it's a uh, place built on uh, Indian burial grounds and everyone's cursed with blood clots. But for whatever reason, we also have an extremely high investigation rate that is mostly negative. So I wanted to try to teach that, listen, uh, maybe we can focus the searchlight in a, in a different way. And so my deal is if you guys continue to bet that 96, 98% of the time uh, on tests that come up negative, I'll be the house. I will always bet positive, and you can bet me anytime. Just text me the MR number. I'm betting you that this is a PE uh, before the scan comes back. So, so just to be uh, straightforward, Pick always bets that it is not a PE. So any resident who gets a clinical presentation and thinks that it might be a PE has the option of, before any studies are back, texting, uh, I mean, sorry, emailing Pick and saying, I have this patient and I will bet you a cup of coffee uh, that this is going to be a PE and Pick automatically uh, takes the bet. Uh, and how often do you win? I mean, historically, my win rate is exceedingly high. I will admit that COVID uh, times have bent the curve slightly. Uh, but still, I'm in the like 90% win rate, uh, win category. But let's remember that there's this whole secondary teaching going on here. Oh yeah, uh, there are, the benefits of this were way beyond, let me give you some feedback on how you investigate PE or some teaching tips about PE. Once you have people bet something, you get their level of confidence. We always say that it's important to have the learner commit. Well, you know, one thing that we like to do is uh, just jokingly or not that jokingly say, hey, if this happens, I'll eat my hat. And then it happens and you're like, you know, I, I, always, I always thought it was a, a possibility. That was, But here it's like, no, you bet me a cookie, that's a soft one, versus you bet me a bottle of Macallan, that's a huge bet. Why were you so confident? So another great thing is we always encourage residents to follow up cases, and we think there's a lot of learning that comes out of that. But in addition to putting their money down, committing, man, if there's a bet on something, they follow up, and they remember what the outcome was. So it's a really built-in, nice little reflection tool. I do that not infrequently at the end of a shift. I'll, I'll bet uh, a resident a coffee or a beer that the CAT scan that they put in was going to be positive or negative. And then even if I've left shift, it means that the resident and I are going to have a conversation about it later. Either way, whether it comes up positive or negative. I do like it as a tool to keep people interested, make them follow up their own ideas. And the feedback of getting some uh, real-world outcomes on your own choices uh, is great to mature you as a clinician. And I think we've all done betting on a person's uh, sodium if they are hyponatremic sure. or, or sugar if they are diabetes. How uh, high is the alcohol level going to be? Right. Um, I will say that, that it has been suggested occasionally that that can be sort of anti-patient, but that's not really what I'm talking about. I don't think it needs to be anti-patient to test your own skills when someone looks really dry to guess what the lab value is going to be. And, and it increases your checking it and, and it doesn't change the fact you're going to treat the patient for what they have. Oh, sure. I, I think that having a prediction going in is really important, just to the practice of medicine. This is basically Bayesian thinking. I hear you, though. There is a danger to sort of doing a uh, uh, stigma of blaming the patient for their level, essentially. Like, oh, this person has a level of X, therefore they are somehow at fault. And, and that is, is a problem. Right. right, so that's, that is not what we were talking about, but I think that 
trying to test your your clinical ability to, to tell what a level is going to be uh, is something that will increase interest and increase clinical skill and is worthwhile doing. Absolutely. I think that in general, uh, we, we get to this thing where uh, I guess I've been accused of trying to throw games into everything, but, but in general, uh, games are good. According to research, games increase student participation, like your trivial pursuit. Uh, they uh, motivate people to take risks, like being wrong and going out on a limb and making a prediction. Uh, and they even foster social and emotional learning, which I hear is good. So we are competitive people. That's one of the reasons we got where we are. It is not surprising that if you put in competition, people are going to increase the effort. And I love it that it doesn't even matter if they're not winning anything or like beating anyone or their name's not on a thing. Those things might help, but actually just saying we're going to play the game automatically gets involvement. Right. Just saying you're the winner is reward unto itself. So that works great. Okay. Have fun. So, Pick, what are we talking about today uh, in terms of that's not a thing? What's not a thing? It's not a thing that if you are a master level in one area, that it carries huge benefits to other areas. If you're a master chess player uh, and you're great at planning and strategy at chess, this does not make you a overall great long-term thinker and strategy guy in the rest of your life. I'm sorry, parents. So it's not always translatable skills between things. Correct. It's domain-specific knowledge, and you might get benefits out of like hard work uh, and study, just like you might out of other things that require hard work and study, like uh, athletics and music. So this is great, because uh, on my list of books, the like how to increase my memory, memory palace stuff was sort of in my, maybe I should do that. Uh, and you're saying that if I can memorize a phone book, it doesn't necessarily mean uh, that I'm going to be a better doctor, uh, smarter, better, stronger, faster. 100%. You might be able to use that skill, segue that skill, but being able to memorize the phone book won't automatically mean that the memory that you use for learning and that you use for doctoring is going to automatically make you a better doctor. Uh, so being great at one thing doesn't mean you're great at another. Correct. Domain-specific knowledge. That's not a thing. Okay, Pick. So what are you going to try and do today? I am going to do a game that I haven't done much that I learned from you today, and I'm going to make the bingo board, and I'm going to actually put a nice mixture of things that are reach diagnoses to keep them in your differential, as well as bread and butter cases that you will run towards the low back pains. ER docs run toward trouble. Got it. I am going to play the differential diagnosis game where each person takes turn giving another differential diagnosis until and going back and forth uh, until one of them either repeats, says something that's too stupid to accept, or you get bored. I like this. This is a straight DDX game. We do this for like you know, brands of cars and uh, countries and capitals and things. Right, and, and the, the bottom line being that if you don't throw out zebras every now and then then you never really think can the zebra fit this uh group of symptoms i love it i'm stealing your game also good thanks for listening go out there and make better doctors get out there and make doctors better Get